And hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another edition of Alpharetta Tech Talk. I'm John Ray, and we are coming to you from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank in, yet again, rainy Alpharetta. Uh, folks, today you're connected and actually wet more than ever. Uh, whether it's your friends, your family, or your life, Renaissance understands how you bank, and they offer mobile banking services that you need. But they also know that sometimes you want to speak to real people with real answers, not an 800 number. And that's why they have more than 190 convenient locations throughout the South open and ready to serve you. And we're in one of the best ones. For more information, go to renaissancebank.com. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And I want to welcome Tom Berger to the show. Tom is... um, a helpful guy. I mean, I want him to tell a little bit more specifically about what he's been doing, but uh, he is focused on helping entrepreneurs and startup companies in the Alpharetta area. Tom, welcome. It's good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. So tell folks a a little more specifically, put some meat on those bones that I put out there about how you help uh, entrepreneurs and startups in the Alpharetta area. Sure, be glad to. Uh, First, by way of background, I spent 22 years with big companies, including 17 years at Motorola. Then I ran uh, uh, 20 different, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, seven different startups over 20 years. And the last about six years or so, I've been uh, uh, helping entrepreneurs on a totally pro bono basis. And I like to say I'm helping them make new mistakes, not the same ones I made over my career. (laughs) And boy, I made a lot of them. Oh, yeah. You've got that experience to bring to the table. Exactly right. Yeah. That's awesome. What what prompted you to do that? I mean, because this is pretty unusual to mentor pro bono for 20 years. That's amazing. Yeah, well, actually, it's been uh, about five years I've been, I've been doing a pro bono. Okay, okay, gotcha. But, uh, yeah, well, I think really now with the political uh, situation, talk about money, uh, the line I like to use is you can never have too much money, but you can have enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, God's been very good to my wife and I, and uh so it's time to give back. And so uh, um, uh, I figured by actually not charging for any services at all, there's no question about my bias or, or lack of bias. Or uh, uh, I feel with that arrangement, I can give honest, candid opinions to people and uh, not have a, a, uh, an ulterior motive with it. Now, one of the things you've done, Tom, is you've created a Pretty comprehensive website. And when I say comprehensive, that probably is not a good enough word in terms of the depth of what you offer folks. Tell, tell a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, uh, I have to go back and give you a story about that. Please. Uh, I was with Motorola uh, for 17 years, and I left Motorola. I was one of the founders of a joint venture between Motorola and IBM. And uh, so the first day I started noticing differences between uh, a big company and a small company. And uh, like I like to uh, say, uh, the, the fundamental difference I saw in big companies, people are focused on not losing. And in small companies, especially entrepreneurs, are focused on winning. And the way I like to say it is, you know, when I was at Motorola, I liked mahogany. I, I like I being called Mr. Right. Uh, I like somebody else making airline reservations for me. Sure. When I got involved in uh, small companies, I like something else, making mm. money. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, I started writing down this list of just, you know, uh, differences. And I kept it up over the years. And that list grew to be 982 items long. 
And uh, some were trivial, uh, such like uh, use first names on a telephone list, you know, rather trivial. But others were pretty profound. And uh, in 2004, I started writing a book, taking these down, uh, things. And I wrote uh, four chapters in 92 pages. And when I was proofreading it for the third or fourth time, it dawned on me, I was bored to death reading what I wrote. And it, it also occurred to me that people don't write, read long chapters. So I put it away. That was in 2004. And in 2015, I had a different idea. I said, what I'm going to do is write short, bite-sized articles. Mm. And so that's what I did. And uh, so each article has a very specific subject, and it's about 800 words long. You can read it in two to three minutes. Now, I, in fact, I was writing more this morning. And uh, I spent over 4,000 hours doing it. But uh, my total now is 623 articles. Wow. Uh, about all aspects of starting and running a business. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing, I'm a rather anal person, I guess, uh, but uh, it's 615,000 words. Uh, to put that in perspective, it's longer than War and Peace or Atlas Shrugged. Wow. Now, of course, that's the only thing it has in common with those two works of art. <laughs> Right. Well, well, there are a lot of things those two books have that yours that uh, don't have that yours do. Right. So that's that's uh, we have to say that, too. Um, I'm curious what you have included on your website that you view uh, in terms of articles that you view as either profound. You use that word or maybe controversial, unexpected. Yeah, I think uh, it's in nine volumes and uh, covers a wide range of topics. But the one that gets the most attention and the one I spend most of my time on is volume three. It's, I think, 101 articles. It's on starting a company. Mm. And, um, uh, and again, I'm not sure profound, but uh, uh, I really uh, take to task a lot of the common knowledge that you hear uh, on the Internet and certainly with all the experts uh, about the realities of what it's like to start a company. And uh, nobody starts a company thinking they're going to fail. But the reality is that over uh, uh, 80% of companies fail by year 10, 50% by year 5. And a fraction of 1% ever raise financial or, or money from investors. Mm-hmm. So I really spent a lot of time on those type of uh, uh, areas because uh, so many new entrepreneurs have a very distorted view of what it's like to start a company. And uh, so that's, uh, I think, both uh, – some profound, but uh, a realistic view, I think. So you're not trying to discourage necessarily. You're, you're, you're just trying to give folks some realism in what they're up to. Exactly right. You know, it's easy to talk about the failures, yeah. but a lot of them make it uh, and uh, have a, a wonderful life because of it. And very few of the entrepreneurs, even the ones that have not made it, they're just waiting to, for their next idea to do it again. Uh, I, again, my uh, after... The 22 years of big companies, I learned so much and loved it, but I could never go back to a big company after uh, 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 experiencing the freedom uh, of a small company. Uh, so, Tom, I'm curious about the, the the process of starting up. I mean, you've seen – you've been involved in a lot. You've seen a lot. What are some of the big mistakes you see? out there that you address on your website, or maybe you can give us a few stories. Sure. Uh, well, uh, really people quite often ask me, why do companies fail? And without a moment's hesitation, I say there's two things in, in order, focus and execution. And by that, I mean, 
people are, are they don't focus. People think of their idea as applying to everybody, you know, in, mm. uh, in the galaxy. And so what they try and do is have a solution to everybody's problem and they spread themselves too thin. So the lack of focus is the largest area. And then the second one is execution that goes with focus. But, um, this is especially true with technical developers. They'll focus on the technology themselves. And after they've got that technology all buttoned up, then they say, Oh, we ought to think about sales or marketing oh, or dear. other aspects. Yeah. And it's a big mistake. Uh, they've got to focus or they've got to focus on one particular business or one segment and then really worry about all elements of the execution. So I've seen this time and time again. Uh, so many companies just um, lack that particular focus, afraid of missing something. And is that because they're, uh, as you say, you, you've said the focus of most startups is they want to make money. Is that just because they're focused on grabbing revenue to to get to uh, th- that magic scale land that all that a lot of these startups want to get to, or or is what's what's the reason for that? Uh, missing an opportunity. Okay. Uh, that's it. And the revenue is really secondary. But they just oh we could we our product could work in this market or our service could be in this market or that market. Mm-hmm. And they just have a a, a very very uh, 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 a wide view. And to be an entrepreneur, you have to be a visionary. Mm. And, uh, let me give you one example of a company that, that frankly, is really doing it right. Uh, it's a company called Hangenics. And Hangenics uh, has a system and a solution to um, uh, help uh, 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 enforce hand hygiene, washing your hands in hospitals. Mm. It sounds not like a big thing, but real, the reality is over 200 people a day in this country die from hospital-acquired infections. It's incredible. And hand washing is the major uh, problem. 200 people a day. A day. It's like a, a, a commercial airliner crashing every day, but 200 people a day. Now, we're not talking about coronavirus or anything else. Right. This is just every day, right. every year. Mm-hmm. It's a huge problem. Now, the thing is, though, that their product could easily be uh, used in many other marketplaces. I, I mean, it's, I hate to say it, it's timely now, but on cruise ships mm-hmm. or people handling food in the food distribution area, in all different areas and clinics. But what Hangenics is doing, they're focusing only on the hospital market. Mm. Okay, and so they could get pulled in many different directions than they are. And uh, Jeff Klein, the CEO, although it has to uh, curl his toes and grit his teeth, he's staying very focused on that particular business. The other thing they're doing in terms of execution, they're moving very slowly and deliberately, getting testimonials, learning from the products rather than trying to uh, blanket the marketplace with a product that's not quite right. They're really doing a lot of field tests. So there's a company, focus and execution, uh, and they're doing it right. And that may be the slower way to get where you want to go ultimately, right? I mean, when you're focused on one particular industry, that that industry may not be ready for you, as it were. You've got a lot of work to do to penetrate that particular industry, right? Absolutely right. There's no question about it. It's a slower path to revenue. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then that's always the issue about how do I raise money? How do I keep funding the operation? Sure. But if you're in it for the long term, which you really have to be to be successful, that's the right approach to take. Uh, I see, uh, I use a whole bunch of one-liners. Uh, the one about this area is uh, you choke to death much faster than you starve. <laughs> and uh, I know we all know that from our personal lives, but for right. business, it happens all the time. The small company says, boy, if I could only get that order from Walmart. 
if I could only get that order from, you know, other big companies and lo and behold, they get it and then they can't possibly deliver. So it's a huge mistake. I've seen many companies fall on that trap as well. So the focus and execution, yes, revenue is delayed, but if you're in it for the long term, it's really the way to go. Folks, if you just joined us, we're speaking with Tom Berger. He's with RDK Consulting, which is his uh, business consulting firm, and he consults with uh, entrepreneurs, startup companies uh, in and around uh, the North Georgia area. Um, let's back up a little bit to, to entrepreneurs that have they're at the idea stage. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about what, what kind of advice you give them on how they should proceed. Sure. Um, one of the things that's really in vogue today, people talk about customer discovery. And I really like to break customer discovery into three different areas. First, I call it problem discovery. And with problem discovery, you have an idea, and then you need to really formulate that idea into something that's important to the customer, not to you. Big mistake a lot of people make. They have an elegant solution about for themselves, but it's not for really for prospects. And during, during the uh, problem discovery phase, you socialize your idea with friends and relatives, and unfortunately, uh, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, people have a very hard time telling you your baby's ugly. Right. Uh, but you really have to uh, get your problem discovery uh, crystal clear. Next phase is prospect discovery. Then you go to prospects, and you ask them, what do you think about this? And get their candid opinion. That's very, very important, and that's where you'll I'll do a lot of regrouping. Mm-hmm. The third phase is what I call customer discovery, and that's when you actually have something and you offer it to a customer and say, will you buy it? And that's when the rubber meets the road. In the first two cases, it's, it's really one about opinions. The third one, customer discovery, is about their actions. And so entrepreneurs really need to think in those three phases – and rather than trying to run with a minimum viable product, you know, and then trying to sell that, they need to go through those three phases. It takes time, but it's well worth it to to nail the solution properly. Well, and even in the problem discovery, I mean, you're talking about identifying problems based on the scale of that problem to the customer, I mean, right? I mean, because it's easy to get caught up in a problem that's not that urgent to the to that end client. Bingo, that's exactly right. In fact, uh, um, part of my career, I was with a, a major venture capital firm. And one of the questions I always used to uh, ask uh, when I was uh, talking to an entrepreneur, I said, are you solving a problem that customers agree needs to be solved now and are willing to pay you for it? Mm. Okay, and so that's one of the big things. You have to have prospects or customers agree that the problems we're solving example I give is when I go into a big box store like, like a Best Buy, I walk up and down every aisle, and there's literally something in every aisle that I want. But I typically walk out of the store buying nothing. Now, does that make the products wrong? No, not at all. Are, are they not viable? No, they're viable. They just are not what I need now. And hmm. so this is what happens. You have a great solution. It, you are solving a problem. But it, it, it comes in number six, and the customer buys one through five. Hmm. Right. That's a problem. Um, so, Tom, let's. I want to get to you know some of the specific companies uh, and types of companies that you work with. I mean, we're 
we're technology oriented here on Alpharetta Tech Talk. You obviously work with tech oriented enterprises, uh, certainly given your background and you hang out over at Tech Alpharetta. Maybe we can talk a little bit about what you do over there um, and, and when you're there, because that's important for people to know. But do you work with more than just technology companies? Oh, absolutely. Um, over the years, it's, uh, it sounds crazy, but I've worked with uh, a company that was doing hunting apparel. Okay, and uh, from hunting apparel to uh, 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 software quality assurance for uh, major uh, enterprises, top 100 enterprises. Oh, wow. And virtually everything in between. Hmm. And now, yeah, I do. I mean, the show is uh, really great because uh, I spend most of my time here in Alpharetta. Uh, I like to use the line, life's too short to spend it driving on 400. So, <laughs> for so sure. I, right, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't get to Buckhead or yep. the city very often, mm-hmm. but I work out of Tech Alpharetta, and I'm there on Wednesdays, and uh, I just do office hours. People send me an email, and then we, uh, we meet. Most of my activities are with Tech Alpharetta companies, uh, with by nature, they are, or by definition, they are technology companies. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter. I, I work with uh, a lot of companies that are not part of Tech Alpharetta as well. Sure. So, um, what, what's, what are, let's talk about technology specifically. Cause that's, that's, those are the folks that generally are listening to this show. Uh, what are you seeing in technology in Alpharetta in terms of what you're really excited about generally? I mean, you can, if you want to talk about specific companies, you can, but uh, I'm talking about in terms of big picture because there are several different, uh, areas of concentration in Alpharetta, as we all know. Talk about what you're seeing there and what you're excited about. Yeah, well, I think what's happened, uh, I'm a double E by uh, background, a master's in electrical engineering many years ago. And back when I was in school, it was all hardware focused. Mm. Today, every company is a software company. Now, some may actually uh, uh, sell their software in terms of hardware that it's in. Right. Everybody's a software company. And if they're not, they won't survive. So, uh the great focus in companies here in Alpharetta are in the software area. And that's a big area, of course, whether it's fintech or uh, medical devices or anywhere else. But it's really uh, the incredible uh, speed and uh, 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 ease of development is really, uh, frankly, shocked me and how fast things are uh, being able to do. Uh, I can remember many years ago I had a developer who spent uh, almost a year in his own time figuring out how to write Windows uh, applications. This was back in the early 90s. Mm. Now, my goodness, you know, yeah. everybody's doing it. Sure. So, and, and the areas in particular, uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, the, the what can be done with machine learning in every business is just very, very surprising to me and very impressive. And some of that speed of development has to do with the ecosystem you sit in, Right. I mean, because we're sitting here in Alpharetta, which the, the the technology ecosystem has developed in a fairly dramatic fashion over the last uh, 20 years, 10 years, what have you, uh, even five years. Um, and that has something to do with it as well, at least for companies around here, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, one of the lines I use is somebody makes everything. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really interesting how uh, – uh, a company can have a specialty, but they can find people to complement them. And uh, many of those companies are right here in Alpharetta. So you don't have to uh, do cradle-to-grave development in all aspects of it. Uh, you can find partners right here in Alpharetta, or certainly within this area, uh, that can help you. Now, of course, the Internet has made it easy to find partners anywhere in the world. 
but it's I've, I've been really surprised at the diversity of, of people here. And there's one other thing about makes Alpharetta pretty unique. Um, it's the age of the developers. And um, uh, when you go down, uh, certainly towards Georgia Tech or you go to any other places, you find much younger people but uh, uh, as entrepreneurs. But here, most entrepreneurs I work with have corporate experience. They've been there and done that, if you will. So there's a level of maturity uh, in terms of what they're doing and their experience level that really, really gives them a leg up on uh, some of their younger uh, uh, peers. So let's talk about, uh, yeah, and some of those things are obvious, that that experience and the structure that you learn being in, you know, a a well-run corporate enterprise here in the United States. What are the negatives that come from that experience? What do you have to talk people out of that come out of corporate? Um, probably the, the biggest thing is making the transition to getting their hands really, really dirty again. Mm. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've hired, you know, uh, hundreds of people over the seven startups I ran over the years. And it was really remarkable. I could never find out or determine uh, beforehand if somebody with a corporate experience was going to make it or not. And all of them thought they could make the transition. Uh, probably half really made it successfully. The other half not so successfully or didn't make it. it it's really tough. Some people, if you, I can use the line I used before, like mahogany <laughs> or like being able to delegate to other people. Mm. But um, one of the, again, a line I use is when you start a company, you are the CEO, but you're the chief everything officer. Mm. And it's only until you have a staff and a, a formal uh, organization do you become the CEO again. And a lot of people have a hard time becoming the chief everything officer. It's not easy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, folks, if you just joined us, we're speaking with Tom Berger, and he is with RDK Consulting. Success stories. If you, you got any you'd like to share, folks you'd work, you've worked with? Um. There's been a number of them that have been uh, successful. Uh, um, the one that comes to mind is uh, Celtic uh, Testing Experts. Uh, this is a company run by a uh, uh, Irish gentleman, and he was an expert at testing software uh, mm. for big corporations. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, uh, through a group I'm, I belong to called CEO Netweavers, where it's about uh, 65 CEOs or ex-CEOs, our retired CEOs and other high-level executives, we form uh, little advisory uh, boards and help companies. And uh, um, this gentleman uh, brought his wife, who was a, a, a medical device salesperson, and he brought her into the company. And we said, first of all, why doesn't she become the CEO? You know, for all the benefits that you can have as a you know a, a, a woman-owned business, right? And we brought, and she came into the company, and we just coached them along the way. And that organization has grown uh, from one person to, I believe they have about 40 different consultants now working with major corporations across the country. So it was a, it was a single, it was a subject matter expert, which most entrepreneurs, many entrepreneurs are, but he figured out how to let go and bring in other people and have his wife who's done a marvelous job. And so they co-run the company mm. on it, but uh, it's, it's really been fun watching them grow and watching this uh, individual person um, uh, leave go and instead of being the only person that could do the job, really scale. That's very difficult. And frankly, that's pretty rare that uh, 
uh, entrepreneurs can uh, move past that stage to really running a successful company. Wow, that's that's um, yeah, that's an awesome story. And there's so much of, I mean, there several things you've mentioned along the way. Part of it involves setting aside your ego. Absolutely right. It's um, very difficult. And uh, in fact, when uh, entrepreneurs or small companies uh, approach me uh, to work with them, uh, I have two criteria. Uh, one, if they say, I know exactly what to do, all I need is money, I run away. Okay. <laughs> you heard it here first, yeah. folks. You know when Tom's going to run. Yeah, right. <laughs> the second thing, if they're not good listeners. Mm. And um, uh, a mentor of mine from Motorola many years ago uh, used a line. He said, it's when the teacher, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And uh, what I ask people I work with is I said, I want you to listen to everything I say, but certainly don't do everything I tell you to do. Mm -hmm. It's your company, but they have to be good listeners. Mm. And to be a good listener, you've got to admit that you don't know things and actually put your ego aside. And that's uh, especially for a very successful uh, um, uh, large company person to admit that they uh, have some vulnerabilities. It's very hard for a lot of people to do that, but you have to be a good listener to be a successful entrepreneur. Great words, wisdom from Tom Berger with RDK Consulting. Uh, so, Tom, you, you kind of alluded to it, how, how you work with companies. Let's get specific. You know, when somebody's interested in coming to, to talk to you, um, how do you work with them? Okay, uh, typically what happens is they'll send me an email, and my email address is tom at rdkgroup. That's uh, rdkgroup.com. And just say, hey, can we get together? And we'll typically have a phone call, two, five-minute phone call. And then I, I try and meet with people on Wednesdays when I'm at Tech Alpharetta. And uh, the, the first thing I do is I refer them to my website. And again, everything I do is free. The website's free. Okay, uh, mm -hmm. And that website is CXO dash atlas atlas dot com and um, as i said there's uh 623 articles volume three is all about starting a company mm -hmm. but i ask them just take a quick look at that and then see if there's something worthwhile talking about and my my quote engagements are very informal from a one-hour meeting to i've got some pretty extensive involvement with some people last year i worked with 40 different entrepreneurs and small companies mm. and you you've uh you've got some different ways you connect at tech Alpharetta. So you're part of the million cups and you've got some other office hours. I think you, you have as well, right? So to, why don't you walk through that? Sure. Uh, one of the, uh, great programs, uh, it's a national program by the Kauffman, uh, foundation. It's called 1 million cups. And every Wednesday morning, um, at eight o'clock, it really starts around, uh, uh, quarter to eight, uh, an entrepreneur will come and, uh, present their ideas. And we like to say anything from half-baked ideas all the way to regular businesses. <laughs> right. And then there's a crowd of 15 to 25 people, um, mm -hmm. uh, who comment. And if you will, it's like a shark tank love-in. Okay. It's, uh, uh, not meant to criticize or, uh, belittle, but it's meant to help people. Mm. And I participate in that. And then after that, at 9.30, then I have office hours, except every other week from 9.30 to 10.30, I do a program called Startup Insights Forum, where I'll pick a subject, and then uh, typically I broadcast uh, for 10 or 15 minutes, and then we have an open dialogue. We've done uh, about 26 of those from last year on. And oh, wow. Like that, and uh, I'm right in the middle of a series now. Uh, two weeks ago was... Uh, 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 referenceable revenue, the first step, 
and next week it'll be scalable revenue, and then the third one will be profitable revenue. So we talk about those three phases of revenue. So cover all different types of subjects. Then after that, I do office hours, and we'll just we'll even talk to anybody that wants to talk. That's awesome. So, you know, I want to ask from the other point of view in terms of, you know, mentorship. There's a lot of folks out there that offer themselves as mentors uh, to startup companies. What, what should a startup look for in a mentor? What should an entrepreneur look for in a mentor for a really good person to help them? Yeah, somebody that's been where they want to go. Um, and um, first of all, they should do it for free. I don't believe mentors should ever be charging uh, for it. But um, one of the areas where uh, you can get in trouble very quickly, if you can take somebody that's a, been a major executive at a major organization, although they've got a wealth of experience, it really doesn't apply to somebody in a startup mode. They, mm. they just it they can mean well, but they just don't have the right experience. So what you want in a mentor is somebody that's actually run a startup company, been involved with startups, and then obviously uh, I'm I'm uh, biased. Good thing this is radio, but uh, you don't see my all my gray hairs. But uh, uh, somebody that's at least a few years ahead of you in terms of uh, uh, what they've done. Mm. And honestly, if you can find a company that sounds crazy and that's a mentor that's had a failed company. Uh, they can probably give you more candid advice than somebody that's been an overnight success because uh, you truly do learn more from your mistakes than you do from uh, doing things right. So true. But you, and those T-shirts are mighty uh, helpful at, uh, as time goes on, right? Right. right. Um, so let's talk about how folks get in touch with you. Uh, but I notice you're not on Facebook. Yeah. It's, Come on, Tom. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> Uh, really, and what it, I got to go back to my website. Uh, yeah, uh, and people say, "Why don't you charge for that?" Why don't you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and the reason I don't, I wrote that website for myself. It sounds crazy, but I wanted to get down my thoughts uh, that were swimming around my head, so I don't doesn't keep me up at night. So I wrote it for myself, and I'm I really uh, at the point now where uh, I don't need or even want a lot of publicity. I can only handle and work with so uh, just a few companies at any one time. Mm-hmm. So uh, the last thing I need is a uh, uh, national, regional, or even citywide <laughs> notoriety right. on it. So I'm just trying to stay focused right here in, in the Alfred and coming area. And so uh, I just purposely decided uh, uh, to keep a very, very low profile. So I, I am on LinkedIn, but uh, uh, but I'm just – not at all trying to self-promote it. It drives all of my marketing friends absolutely crazy. That sure. I don't do that. Sure. Well, it's, uh, well, the, the, uh, it's too late now cause you're out there all over the place now as of this show, right? <laughs> but we're going to get your name out there. But, uh, so, um, but your point is well taken. I mean, but you, you, you've really leveraging your experience for the benefit of those that maybe can't come to Alpharetta and sit in front of you one-on-one, right? Right, exactly right. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I should mention, it's the uh, 623 article sounds intimidating, but the articles are written so that you can read any article in any order. You don't have to start the beginning of the volume, chapter, section. If one of the titles uh, catches your fancy, you can just read that. And as I said, it's uh, there. I think they average 840 or 850 words, but it's two pages. So you can read it in two or three minutes. And that's what I recommend people do. Just uh, take a look at the index, take a look at it, and then just uh, if something hits their attention, you could do it. Then you can hit forward, uh, previous, or next, and see the next one in line if you 
choose to do sure. so. This is awesome. Uh, awesome resource, folks. I encourage you to check it out. And, and Tom, let's tell them one more time where they can uh, tell them about the, the URL, uh, the website address, and your uh, how to get in touch with you. Sure. It's, uh, the website is uh, www.cxo-atlas.com. And uh, my uh, email address is Tom at rdkgroup.com. Awesome stuff. Tom Berger, thanks for your service. Sure, it's my pleasure. I enjoy doing it. Yeah, terrific. Folks, if you need help, some other kind of help, that involves maybe some of the ugly stuff that Tom was talking about that you really have to get involved with, like bookkeeping. (laughs) That's pretty ugly. Uh, Marketing presentations, uh, maybe a workshop planned. Um, all, all the administrative tasks are involved in a business. Well, go engage a smart and reliable office angel. They're not a temp agency or a placement firm. Office angels matches your business support needs with angels who you will be grateful for, who have the talent and experience necessary to help you maintain and grow your business on an ongoing or as needed basis. Your terms, your timeline, they lend a hand when needed and fly off when the job is done. Find out more at officeangels.us or call the remarkable, and I know of what I speak, Chief Executive Angel S.E. Escobedo at 770-442-9246. That's where the chief everything officer might need the chief executive angel, right? Um, folks, If just a reminder that you can listen to this show on all the major podcast platforms. That includes Apple. Spotify, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn. I can go on and on, but you can find us pretty much anywhere. Um, or you can find us online at uh, NorthFultonBusinessRadio.com or AlpharettaTechTalk.com um, uh, on our website. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, we publish there, North Fulton BRX. So for my guest, Tom Berger, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Alpharetta Tech Talk. Renaissance Rewards Extra is the checking account that checks all the boxes. Roadside assistance? Check. Cell phone insurance? Check. More than 400,000 local shopping discounts? Check. Up to $25 per month in ATM refunds and a great rate? Check. All in an easy-to-use mobile app. To open an account or find out more about Renaissance Rewards Extra Checking, go to renaissancebank.com or visit us at any of our more than 190 locations throughout the South. Renaissance Bank. Understanding you. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender.